The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up, hour two of the Chris Salcedo Show, Mary Ramirez will be here. In the meantime, let, let me get you caught up on what's happening with your money. Chris Versace, he is the chief information officer for Tomatica Group and assistant professor at New Jersey City University. He's also a columnist for Business Insider, Forbes, and TheStreet.com, the host of Cocktail Investing Podcast, and the author of Cocktail Investing, Distilling Everyday Noise into Clear Investment Signals for Better Returns. Mr. Versace, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Why, why, thank you, Chris. I, I have to say, even after that long list of uh, things that I do, I, I feel tired. <laughs> well, buck up, camper. We have a lot to talk about because today, let's, let's start off with the most recent economic news. Beating mm-hmm. Wall Street expectations and the so-called experts, uh, the job numbers came in today. Two, uh, 222,000 jobs added in June, which beat the 179,000 expectation. Your thoughts, sir? I mean, look, you know, if we dissect the numbers and you know that I do, it was a good report, right? Uh, You know, we saw a number of different jobs picking up um, in terms of the number of jobs. Uh, We also saw some upward revisions in the past couple of months. Always a good sign. But, and this is the shoe to drop, Chris, if we were to look at it, earnings, meaning average uh, hourly earnings, are not picking up the way the Fed thought they would. Uh, thereby taking some of the bite or more of the bite out of their inflation argument. And it says to me that the Fed is more likely than not going to stand on the sidelines uh, for the next couple of months until we get into the back half of the year. Remember, they've promised three rate hikes. They've, they're off two in the first half of the year. I think they're going to bide their time until doing the next one. Yeah, and, and that could uh, be a dire signal to those up on Capitol Hill to get busy on tax reform because there seems to be a lot of folks – uh, waiting on the sideline, not doing much hiring, not raising salaries and, and income because they're waiting to see if this government can get its act together and deliver on tax reform. Am I right? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. The The Fed put another report out today, kind of one under the uh, under the radar called the Fed Monetary Policy Report. And when you break it down, they, they said some interesting things, right, which is in the first half of the year, the pace of the economic reform has moderated. We know that's the case. Uh, inflation has fallen off compared to a year ago. We know that is the case. Um, but they also talked about an increase in business investment. And that was more in the first quarter, but you're correct. As the economy has started to slow a little bit and some uncertainty, not only about tax reform, health care reform, and the timing of infrastructure, I think businesses are sitting back and they're saying, Elections coming up. I want to see how things turn before I commit going into the back half of the year. Chris Versace, my guest right now, folks. He is the host of the Cocktail Investing Podcast. Uh, Chris, uh, the president's over the G20 summit. Uh, Donald Trump making some news as he made an, ex- an invite, if you will, to those former Soviet republics uh, trying to break the monopoly and the, the stranglehold that Vladimir Putin has on them by saying, hey, uh, America is going to be a net exporter of energy uh, because of all of our natural gas, uh, liquefied natural gas and, and other energy resources depend on us 
and and let's let's compete we can compete with russian energy and uh, a, a lot of folks over here in the united states who watch these kinds of things kind of applauded in particular in the state in which i broadcast uh, uh, an energy uh titan the state of texas yeah i mean look it's what trump is trying to do to his uh you know campaign promises make america great again and that means unleashing american business and entrepreneurialism to go out and do what we do best and he's just trying to, you know, let people know that we are going to do that. And when you look at the uh, rising rig count that is there, uh, it is obvious that we have more supply and more supply coming on stream, which, you know, silver lining, good thing. We're starting to see gas prices fall at the pump as well. But there's no reason that through the developments of technology as well as consolidation in the energy space that's helped reduce the break-even point for these businesses that we cannot be far more efficient and net exporters. And remember, too, Chris, for the economy and consumer spending, these jobs in the oil patch are well-paying jobs. This is not like working at Starbucks or working at The Gap or some other retail. These are very, very good-paying jobs. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm not sure if you're aware if I've talked to you about this in the past, but there, there was a large discovery in West Texas which many are saying it could be the second largest proven not only oil but natural gas clean burning natural gas discovery uh in the world and that it, that once that starts getting tapped and once all of a sudden we start sending liquefied natural gas over to all of these former soviet republics the market is just going to boom they they get out from vladimir putin's communist dictator thumb we start exporting energy and creating well-paying as you mentioned jobs here in the united states it's a it's a twofer it's a win-win absolutely but it's the whole thing chris is making sure that we have the right mindset in washington that is going to put you know the economy first and allow business to do what it does you know arguably through some trickle-down economics but we need to have that mindset and agenda in place in dc and i think i think we're getting that compared to where we've been the last eight years you know, with all of the, the revelations and this stuff that, it, that has come out over the weekend and individuals assigning blame or assigning a motivation to Put, uh, of Putin that, that Putin wanted Trump. I think we, ex- didn't we explore this a couple weeks before vacation? You know, we talked about how Obama's been anti-business and has driven the U.S. consumer market into the toilet and how... Uh, time was America could drive and pull the world economy up. Can't do it anymore because Obama has weakened us economically. And that those who suffer the most are these oil-based economies like Russia. That when you don't have a, when there's no demand, you there's no demand for your product. That when there's no demand for energy and production, uh, the demand for oil goes down. You've got record low prices. Uh, this this is due also in part to Saudi Arabia trying to bankrupt uh, a lot of domestic American producers. So it was all the perfect storm, and the Russia can't finance any of its debt, can't finance all of its expansion uh, because, well, there's no demand for its product, and it's an oil-based economy. So it's in the toilet. So if Trump gets the American economic engine going again and there's demand for products, then there's guess what? There's going to be demand for oil. And what does that do to the cost of oil? Drives it up. And the Russians profit. I mean, there, there could there could have been a business motivation behind not wanting not another anti-business Democrat in the Oval Office, an anti-prosperity Democrat. There could have been some motivations there. Or Vladimir Putin could have just hated Hillary Clinton's guts, which is you know entirely plausible. A lot of people do that. 
But as we have been consistent on the Chris Salcedo show, and I know that there's this constant refrain from from liberals. Oh, it's, you must be a Russia lover. Screw you. I've been saying for the last eight years, screaming at the top of our lungs that Vladimir Putin is an enemy of the United States, still saying it. He's not to be trusted. And I'd like to welcome all you liberal Democrats to the party. Congratulations. It only took you guys eight years. You know, some people aren't necessarily stupid. They're just slow. Like Meryl Streep. We'll get into... <laughs> yeah, we'll get into Meryl Streep, too. You know what? And be, well, there's, there's something funny here. I'm not going to play her sound by not because I didn't want to. But CBS has its sphincter, and, and the Golden Globe sphincter so tight, there's so many restrictions that we can't... I, I didn't want to leave holes in the Chris Salcedo Show podcast because we'd have to remove that stuff. So I am going to read the transcript of Meryl Streep in my best Meryl Streep impersonation. <laughs> That's coming up on the Chris Salcedo show. Oh, just wait for it. I'm sure it's going to be compliment. You know, I, I studied the dramatic arts in college. I did. I studied the dramatic arts. I... As a matter of fact, could be, I, I may be the only thespian talk show host. Uh, you would think that would give me instant credibility with the folks out in Hollywood. However, <laughs> after they hear my Meryl Streep impersonation, probably not. Uh, <laughs> telephone number, if you want to reach out and say hi, feel free to do so. 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. At the top of the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, you will find a post that is dated. And I did this on purpose because as I mentioned here off the top that um, Donald Trump's cabinet picks are up before a very hostile Democrat party um, in the United States Senate. And I thought since all of these liberal Democrats will be going back, you know, to when, you know, Rex Tillerson and all these others and uh, Jeff, Session, Jeff Sessions were in the kindergarten. You know, you drew an unflattering picture of a girl and that means that you're a sexist and you, you hate women. War on women! War on women! Because Jeff Sessions, when he was in kindergarten, drew an unflattering picture of a girl named Sally. I mean, it, 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 could, it is going to get that ridiculous. So in honor of what I anticipate will be coming from uh, feckless and irresponsible Democrats. I reminded the Chris Salcedo show and anybody on Facebook, anybody wants to look of the past of Chuck Schumer, the new minority leader of the Democrats in the Senate. Schumer telling a flight attendant when she told him to turn off his cell phone that she was a bee. Another name for a female dog. And, uh, I, hey, you know, since, since Schumer's going to go back years, decades on these nominees to dig up dirt and to drag their names through the mud, I thought we'd remind Democrats that we can do the same thing. And, hell, you know what, Chucky? I don't have to go back decades for you. I just got to go back to 2009 to find you calling a woman that told you to comply with safety regulations on, a, on an airplane when you called her a bee. A bee itch. This, um, this works many ways, Chucky Schumer. 
tread lightly. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Only on The Blaze Radio Network. is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Due to technical difficulties, we are rejoining with the Chris Salcedo Show already in progress. Consolidation in the energy space that's helped reduce the break-even point for these businesses that we cannot be far more efficient and net exporters. And remember too, Chris, for the economy and consumer spending, these jobs in the oil patch are well-paying jobs. This is not like working at Starbucks or working at the Gap or some other retail. These are very, very good-paying jobs. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I'm not sure if you're aware, if I've talked to you about this in the past, but there, there was a large discovery in West Texas, which many are saying it could be the second largest proven, not only oil, but natural gas, clean-burning natural gas discovery uh, in the world. And that, that once that starts getting tapped and once all of a sudden we start sending liquefied natural gas over to all of these former Soviet republics, the market is just going to boom. They, they get out from Vladimir Putin's communist dictator thumb. We start exporting energy and creating well-paying, as you mentioned, jobs here in the United States. It's a, it's a twofer. It's a win-win. Absolutely. But it, it's... The whole thing, Chris, is making sure that we have the right mindset in Washington that is going to put, you know, the economy first and allow business to do what it does, you know, arguably through some trickle-down economics. But we need to have that mindset and agenda in place in D.C. And I think, I think we're getting that compared to where we've been the last eight years. Now, the G20 summit, which is supposed to be an economic summit, uh, there's expected to be pressure put on Donald Trump to to sign on to this Paris Climate Accord to stay, keep the United mm-hmm. States signed on to where the United States sacrifices everything. Everybody else in the agreement sacrifices nothing so that it's, it's a big redistribution of wealth scheme. And Angela Merkel of Germany seems to be the one that is really behind and making sure that and trying to put political pressure on the United States to damage its own economy. What say you? Do you think the president should remain stalwart about this? And, and do, you th- do you think he'll cave or do you think he'll stay strong? I, I don't think he's going to cave. I actually think he's using it more as an overall negotiating tactic. Because remember, they're over there talking about a number of, dish- of different issues, Chris, including who pays their fair share when it comes to global defense. So, I, I, you know, Trump, Trump being the dealmaker, I, I think he's, gonna, he's looking at all his chess pieces on the board trying to figure out how can I, which ones can I move to get where I need to be and where I want to be. That's what I think is going to happen. Chris Versace, everybody. He's the chief information officer for Tomatica Group and the assistant professor at the New Jersey City University. Sir, I appreciate the time and expertise as always here on the Salcedo Show. Always happy to do it, my friend. Have a great weekend. All right, folks. Uh, you guys may have uh, heard the hiccup in our in our digital feed, and we have some weather-moving through the uh, area in Texas in which we're broadcasting. And it just, uh, that's part of the technical problems every once in a while that you experience with broadcasts. So thanks for putting up with that. I wanted to get the entire interview in there with Mr. Christopher Sace. So if you want to weigh in on what we've been talking about so far today, 888 
800-933-9393. Mary Ramirez will be coming up here shortly. At Fox Business Network's Dagan McDowell was talking about a plan put forth by Senator Ted Cruz to rescue the Republican Party because they've done no work. We have been um, very critical of the so-called leadership in the Republican Party who sat back for the last seven years and complained and bitched and moaned that uh, that uh, Obamacare was in place and that they vowed they vowed they were going to repeal it. And as soon as they got the opportunity, they didn't have anything, any work done. No consensus repeal effort. And that was because guys like Mitch McConnell and guys like John Boehner, again, uh, just played politics. We thought they were serious, but uh, Mitch McConnell didn't think we were going to win the White House. So uh, why would we do uh, any work if we're not going to get the White House? It's like, man, I, I've only said you should have been out. You could, even if it was President Hillary, God forbid, you could have put out a replacement that would have been far and above what was going on with Obamacare. Anyway, uh, Fox Business's uh, Dagan McDowell articulates the Cruz plan. Cruz's plan would give insurance companies the freedom to sell cheaper policies with fewer benefits to healthier people as long as they still offer the more complex plans for sick people that would meet the regulatory requirements of Obamacare or Senate Leader Mitch McConnell has asked the Congressional Budget Office to analyze the plan, which is a sign that lawmakers are strongly considering it. The CBO expects to have its analysis done by next week when Congress returns from their July 4th recess. So you've got McConnell there. Uh, some people say it's a threat. I, I, I Didn't we say this when he, when he first floated this idea that he was just trying to to coerce his Republican caucus to work together and come to an agreement. So here comes Ted Cruz trying to bail out the Republicans again. And the sticking point is you got a whole bunch of these, these leftist Republicans who are all about big, big government, all about big government programs, wasting your taxpayer dollars. And they, and they like the idea of taxing and spending like the Democrats do. They just think they could administer it better. So Fox Business Network's Dagan McDowell, after discussing, who was she talking with? Reason Magazine's Peter Sutterman. This is, this is the conclusion she came to. I look at, at, at particularly a lot of these centrist Republicans on this issue, and there aren't donkeys and elephants. There aren't Democrats and Republicans. They're all just a bunch of hogs <laughs> eating at the trough in terms of they, they want government spending. You listen to these GOP governors who accepted the Medicaid expansion um, under the Obamacare, and they are crying foul over the, the push to roll back the, the vast amounts of money these states get from this expansion. I, I, don't know how, I don't know how you get all these sides to come together on this, and this is excluding the Democrats. Exactly. How do you reason with a Republican who wants to get his hands on taxpayers' money every bit as much as a Democrat does. I mean, I don't know where you go. Maybe somebody should have done some work on this, oh, I don't know, five, six years ago. How about that, Mitch? Huh? 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. listening to the
Latino conservative Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Due to technical difficulties, we are rejoining with the Chris Salcedo Show already in progress. You know how to play winning hard those football. You play football like Ed Gennaro played football. A guy who gave his life for this football team. He was a 140-pound halfback, and he played like a damn wild man. No, like a damn rampaging beast. And that's the way you're going to do it. You go out there, you tear their f***ing heads off, and you down their necks. Let us pray. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Happy Friday to the Chris Salcedo Show. Uh, uh, sometimes out of tragedy, when we take a, like, like we take a weather hit, uh, uh, bits can be born. Bits of funniness can be born. And now, forever, we will have Ellie uh, on, on tape saying, you know, uh, we, we rejoin the Chris Salcedo Show already in progress. Due to technical difficulties, yeah, yeah. we are rejoining with the Chris Salcedo Show already in progress. I could just say this live. No. Salsi uh-huh. Salcedo, uh-huh. the liberty-loving Latino. Very good. Uh, glad you made it, everybody, here for a Friday at the Chris Salcedo Show. Joining us now, another contributor to the Chris Salcedo Show who joins us every week, Mary Ramirez, longtime contributor here to the program. Mary, welcome back to the program. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Now, none of that stuff you could hear because you're on a different line. But Sadly, no. What you're going to have to do is you're, you're going to see where you, you're going to listen on the replay and you will see where you fit in all of this. And I trust me, you will laugh. All right. I oh, promise. Boy. OK, you, you got to promise. I'll do it. Oh, boy. OK. Hey, so uh, what are you writing about this week? Well, Chris, I was watching, reading something rather that, that you had posted a few days back in response to this horrific assassination of Officer Familia in New York City this last week. Um, and you posted the following Facebook caption. You said, after eight years of an anti-cop administration, this is the result. NYPD officer assassinated in the Bronx is latest in string of New York cop killings. And there was a discussion that ensued. So, of course, I dug in. And, you know, the conversation that followed was was pretty interesting. And, and one of our, our liberal friends um, pointed out that police deaths averaged just 62 per year, as opposed to something in the 70s for the Bush administration. And first and foremost, before I get into the meat of the article, I want to I want to correct that. Um, the average number of deaths per year under Barack Obama was actually 151 a year. Um, that's 2009 to, uh, to 2016. Our friend here used studies counting only certain types of deaths. So, for example, if you look at only deaths by gun, by gunshot wound, then you get that 62 average or that number. But when you look at everything, the numbers are immensely higher. And you and I both know that, that <laughs> to be attacked, a cop doesn't necessarily have to be shot by a gun. It can be stabbings. It can be drownings. It can be vehicular assault. It exactly. Can be yeah, dead it's is ridiculous. dead. Assault. Dead is uh, dead. Dead is dead no matter how you got that way. Now, folks, <laughs> right. who she's talking about is Liberal Fred, who longtime listeners of the Chris Salcedo show will know who Liberal Fred is. Now, we had to give him his due. He is a gold star dad. His, his family mm-hmm. paid the ultimate price, but he's a liberal and he's often wrong and he often justifies insane positions from the American left. And he tried to show up on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page and try to make the absurd claim that, that, that police officers were safer under Barack Obama. And it is just that. It's an absurd claim. 
Right. I mean, if you look at the two numbers, because I did go back and I, I did the math. I did the math for the Clinton years, the Bush years, the Obama years, and it averages, you know, right along the same line. And I'll get into sort of the, the, the numbers behind that. You know, Bush, you had the Bush numbers up slightly because of 9-11. You had uh, quite a few officers die on that same day in the towers and at the Pentagon and, and around, you know, that area. But um when you look, like I said, when you look at everything, uh, you know, the, the numbers are all types of deaths and numbers are, are immensely higher. Um, but what I really wanted to focus on in this discussion is exactly what you brought up with your post. And that is the types of deaths, how they're dying. Deaths like the one we saw in New York, where this officer is sitting in a patrol car, mm-hmm. sitting there doing nothing and is shot point blank simply for being a cop, just sitting at a cop car. Those deaths those are up 300% from years past. That's the number that we need to, need to focus on because you and I both know that, that the unfortunate fact of life is that police officers are going to die on the job. It's just a, it, is, it is a fact of life of dealing with the, the swill of society, the evil in the world. You're going to get killed <laughs> in many instances. That's a given. The ambush-style attacks that we're seeing in New York that we saw with those other two officers sitting in a car in New York, that we saw in Baton Rouge, that we saw in Dallas. I think that anniversary was, wasn't that yesterday? So, you know, that sort of thing, those are up 300%. And that's what we need to focus on. And that's where you're spot on, Chris, with your point about the rhetoric. You know, because when you look at, you know, what it is that's going on in society, one author, I think it was over at Red State, pointed out, we haven't had anything in the last eight years, societally speaking, that would contribute to this astronomical 300% increase, except rhetoric from leadership. And I kept having this... No, go ahead. ahead. No, I I wanted to just add a little more flavor to this because there has been... You would have no way, being in Minnesota, of knowing this is going on. Today we are marking that terrible anniversary uh, from the Dallas police officers who were gunned down by uh, uh, a patron of hate. Uh, Some guy who just wanted to go out and kill whites and kill kill cops uh this was one year ago today five police officers paid with their lives there is a there is a barack obama type leader inside of the 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 county of dallas his name is john wiley price who actually jumped uh, on a county commissioner's court uh hearing they were they were voting on a resolution to honor the fallen police officers he said why should we do that they're not any more special than anybody else's life. Why should we honor these police officers? So th- th- this is actually going on. So this this type of Barack Obama extremist liberal attitude, th- these people are reprobates. These people are uh, gum on the bottom of your shoe, wastes of skin that are in our society. And, and they look at the... The, the thin blue line and look at these individuals who lay their lives on the line for us every single day and say that they're, they're, not, they're nothing special at all. And, and it, to, to the point to where this guy was saying everybody's life is, is, is equal. Really? You mean the guy who gunned down people, the racist who gunned down five police officers out of hate's sake, his life was equal to that of the cops? Maybe in the eyes of God, but certainly not in the eyes of common sense individuals. Well, no. I mean, when you're talking about human life, of course, human life has value. And and you and I would both agree that any death is tragic when you're talking about a human being. But if you're going to compare the character, if you're going to compare characters of people like that guy and these cops, forget about it. This is ridiculous. This, yeah. These are people, and I made the point in, in my piece, these people, these police officers across the country, the thousands and thousands that we have, 
They sign up every day for crappy hours and crappy pay and crappy, insane stress every single day to defend a community of strangers, many of whom they don't even know. I mean, I, I illustrated in the piece at the very beginning, I talked about laying down your life for a friend. You know, how many of us would do that? Lay down a life for a friend, maybe a family member or somebody we really love, but maybe not even for a friend. For someone that you don't know, these guys do that, guys and gals, do that every single day. And, you know, why shouldn't we honor that? Why shouldn't we praise people who do good things by and large on a daily basis? This and, is insanity. And much less and, guard these, these, these five police officers were guarding a movement, the Black Lives Matter movement that day precisely. in Dallas. The BLM movement who has called for the death of police officers, who has called for the death of white people, their leadership. And uh, uh, I cannot think of... Uh, uh, somebody more deserving of society's respect than somebody who will not only defend a perfect stranger, not only defend their community, but defend those who actually yeah. say and identify with individuals who want to kill them. I mean, right. seriously. I mean, and this is why the, the John Wiley Prices, the Barack Obamas of the world really frustrate me. Well, and these kind of people, Chris, I made this illustration in, in the piece. These are the kind of people whose rhetoric is changing the mentality of this nation and has for the last eight years, as you pointed out. There's a line from a great movie, Chris. It's called Remember the Titans. I'm sure you've seen it. And the guy, he, one of the guys says to the, the team captain, he said, attitude reflects leadership. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. You go through the Barack Obama presidency, and you look at how he talked about police officers, how, how his administration talked about them, how they treated the, the, the cases like Ferguson or, or, you know, others where they jumped the gun and made judgments before before his own Department of Justice even had a chance to investigate it, which, of course, we both know came out again in favor of the cop because there was nothing done wrong. Um, but, but that sort of rhetoric has a lasting effect. And again, we can argue all day long about exactly how many point whatever, whatever police officers die on average every year, year to year, president to president. But the thing that we're talking about today what, and what you pointed out is that the attacks People seeking out police officers with the express purpose of killing them because they are police officers, that is going up, and there's a correlation to that. There's nothing else that contributes to it, nothing else that, that, that's happened in society other than a leader that made it his modus operandi to, to treat these people as enemies of the state, and that was Barack Obama. What is the name of the piece, and where can we find it? It is End of Watch, Dying on the Thin Blue Line, and I'll tweet that out right after this segment. It's up on my blog. Mary Ramirez taking her inspiration this week, and I'm glad we can inspire from a Chris Salcedo <laughs> Show Facebook. See, if you don't get on Facebook, folks, you might be missing an awful lot. As a matter of fact, Mary, I am going to direct you to go to the Facebook page because my number one all-time favorite meme of the beating up of the CNN brand is posted right there at the very top. So I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, lady. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Best to you and the fam. Happy Friday as always. Thanks, Chris. All right, folks. 888 Back in two shakes on The Blaze. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. The Chris Salcedo Show only on The Blaze Radio Network. Show. Conservative talk radio with spice. You know, I think the big story of the week has to be, you know, this may be the week 
that that we can note or mark the failure of CNN. Let me give you, and here's why I'm saying this. The ratings have come in. And the folks over at the Federalist have written this piece called The Ratings Collapse. The ratings came in. Ellie, now look. You know that Fox is likely going to be on top of most of the cable news networks, of cable news programming. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they are. They are number one. These, uh, this is time period, Monday through Sunday, 8 to 11, prime time. Okay? The bread and butter of cable news channel broadcasting. The, the ratings are in. I, I guess there's no delicate way to put this. CNN was beaten by Nick at night. <laughs> what? CNN was beaten by Nick at night. Nick at night is 11th out of the top 20. CNN is 13th. But Nick at night is the best, though. Nick at night is good. But what was on during this, th- this time, 8 to 11? One of the programs that beat out the fake news network <laughs> was reruns of Yogi Bear. <laughs> what? Hey, boo-boo. Watch us watch steal the ratings picnic basket. Yay. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. We're kicking CNN's butt. Yogi, the ranger will be upset. Who cares, boo-boo? They suck over at CNN. <laughs> and they do. They really do. Um, so that I, I think this is a perfect capper to a week where CNN lost its mind and lost its credibility. Let, let me add some dramatic effect to this. CNN, folks, lost the ratings battle against Nick at night and reruns of Yogi Bear. Dun, dun, <laughs> Duh. Winning. So, uh, there you have it. Uh, they, they have become a punchline. A, a network dominated by their hate of the president of the United States to where, to where they won't even, they're not, they can't even draw. Now look, here's why CNN is going to get paid. And this is something you all have to understand and know that all of the cable uh, companies across the country, they, the big ones contract with the likes of CNN and MSNBS and Fox and CNN could conceivably and they're and they're headed in that direction right now could conceivably have zero watchers and they will still get paid and they will still make money to pay their anchors you know why because the cable companies buy that programming to quote unquote better their cable lineup now they can't keep it up forever but if cnn stays in this slump 
they're still going to make a lot of money. So you might be asking yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute. So CNN can get crap ratings and still get tons of money from the cable companies because they have these contracts. Why, why can't the Blaze get on AT&T or Time Warner or whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days? Spectrum? Why can't that happen? Could there be a political left-wing bias at these cable companies that keep the Blaze programming from coming on? It's beginning to look a lot like that, ladies and gentlemen. How else can you justify keeping (laughs) CNN getting beaten by Yogi Bear reruns on and not having the blaze? Remember, everybody, society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a grand weekend, everybody. See you back here on Monday, 3 o'clock Eastern. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network.